0: I've been working out. Can you tell? Oh yeah. Wow. wow
1: Hmm. I am. I am smitten. Today we are going to talk about the state of the Wait, web. We
0: did, we did, whoa, 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 it's time. <laughs> we, did, a... we gotta do the intro for the show. You didn't say a word, so I had to start that. Well, talking. that's because I need some buffer space okay. so that the okay. Kato can I'll, edit. Come I'll, on now. I'll give you some space. Yeah, Rookie, first time doing this. you want to do the intro today? You do the intro <laughs> today. Right. Do the intro I'm, today.
1: I'm not allowed to do the intro. You just made that yeah, very clear.
0: Sure. No, no, but you just... Okay. <laughs> uh Hey everyone, welcome to the function call. Blah, blah, blah,
1: blah. Yeah, I really should be doing the intro. All
0: right, do the intro. There.
1: <laughs> All right, hey everybody, welcome to the function call. Today we are going to be talking about the state of the web. Um, Essentially, uh, we we had a conversation about we want to do like predictions and we want to you know do this. I'm very bad at predictions. Austin's great at predictions, uh, so I can't wait to see his insights on some of this stuff and like really know what the future holds for us. Um, it's, yeah, it's do exciting you remember stuff. when
0: I told you that uh, GameStop was just going to go to the moon?
1: You had mentioned that it was crazy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How about that news, huh? That's wild. Wild.
1: So yeah. our, our conversation today, uh, we'll will cover topics ranging from uh, browsers and browser features all the way uh, through front-end technologies into some back-end technologies. So uh, without any further ado, let's get into some opinions and insights and ideas uh, around, let's, let's start with browsers and, and uh, some browser features maybe.
0: Yeah. So a little recap on, I don't know, things that happened since like last year. Uh, was it last year that Microsoft announced that they're dropping support for IE? So that's pretty much dead? Uh,
1: so they, they have announced that they're going to drop support. Uh, they had an initial date and then pushed that date back. Um, hmm. I know this because my company is watching that closely. We really want to drop support uh, for the application that I'm building. Uh, so it's very exciting thinking that that might actually happen if they push the date back again I may have to uh, to uh, start supporting internet Explorer
0: mm. you know it, it, well Internet Explorer it's like it's really just like Internet Explorer 11 which is the last thing that people generally need to support and I, I, I thought like, I don't know, a few years back. I, I thought Internet Explorer 11 was actually a pretty decent browser, not, not too bad. But I think the big difference here is that uh, Firefox, Edge, Chrome, Safari, they're all evergreen browsers. And so mm-hmm. um, what that means is basically um, they don't have to wait for users to like manually upgrade them. They kind of upgrade on their own or something. So when a new... When they support a new feature for like CSS or JavaScript, it's um, available. You or you can you can kind of presume that it's available to everyone that's running um, those browsers that you want to support. So it should make browser support um, questions a lot easier.
1: Yeah, the only the only straggler there is Safari, uh, which. Has like some weird bugs that I've run into as far as like the way that it deals with, uh, particularly grid and uh, flexbox. Like I've I've seen some like just weird stuff go on with that. I don't remember the specifics, but yeah, Safari yeah. is kind of like the the last bastion of pain when it comes to this.
0: I mean, until we as developers find a new bastion of pain. Let's be honest. <laughs> There's always going to be something.
1: That's true. That's true.
0: Um, yeah, there's also kind of a, a big news in that browser world was this last year was Edge going to Chrome? So you got that like edge or not? Not Edge going to Chrome? Edge being based off Chromium, which is the underlying browser engine that Chrome runs on. So you got this like Edgeium browser that um, removes one of the big. Uh, Browser engines out of the ecosystem, which is kind of good to make uh, writing code across browsers easier, but it's also bad because it kind of consolidates a lot of the, I don't know, technological decisions under one roof. Like now you basically have, you know, Chrome, Firefox, and uh, Safari is running, like they have their own browser engine, don't they?
1: Yeah. Or are they? Spider Monkey? yeah their JS, yeah, yeah, you know? um, yeah. I so I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I I kind of see both sides of it. Where yeah, when we consolidate those decisions down to one big uh, company, like we don't know what their motivations are going to be a year from now or two years from now. But at the same time, uh, Microsoft was not doing us any favors with what they were doing in in Internet Explorer, or Edge, or whatever they want to call it now. Um, so, mm-hmm.
0: agree to disagree. I think that they had some pretty innovative things there before they switched.
1: Uh, such some cool
0: stuff, and they, and I think that they have some cool stuff going on in the new version of Edge too. So it's not like it's not like they it's not like they they're not innovating.
1: That's true. I know a number of people who prefer to use Edge, and it's it's really nice uh, to have people who are uh, you know not not uh, as into computers as I am. Uh, and and see them kind of browsing the internet and not having problems uh, because of you know using some default browser. I still see that with yeah. Safari, um, where like yeah. there are issues there. But
0: yeah. So going forward, what's uh, what do you think twenty twenty one has for you in terms of browsers? Are you sticking with the same browsers? Are you switching browsers? What are you using now? And in-
1: um, so for development, I use, I use Chrome, uh, and mm. personally I use Firefox. Um, mm. yeah, I, I, I've considered using brave, um, and you know, some of those other like security focused, privacy focused variants, but, um, uh, I just haven't gotten around to it.
0: Man, it's an easy switch. I, before I was working at this company, I was using just like you, Firefox for my personal stuff. Um, Brave for my development stuff. Oh wow! Uh, or I guess yeah. So I'm using Chrome now for my development stuff because there's like a weird thing about our application in development mode that it only works on Chrome, which uh, is annoying. Yeah. Um, but when I was using Brave, Brave is Brave is awesome. I mean, it's got all the things, all the features that um, I was familiar with using Chrome, all the dev tools and stuff. Mm-hmm all the browser extensions work the same. Um, but yeah it's got that privacy stuff. It's got it blocks some ads. You get those BAT tokens if you want to take advantage of that. Which is an interesting thing. Yeah, um, I think
1: that yeah I I think that adds some transparency to like what like the browser gets from you using it and like <clears throat> kind of like some history on like the browser wars and, and trying to get uh, that like user base right between uh, Netscape and oh god I'm really showing my age here between like Netscape Navigator and Internet Explorer like in the very early days of the internet um yeah so like well, there,
0: there's some interesting stuff too with or news with like a Firefox Mozilla dropping oh man so yeah. much of the Firefox team you know it's like
1: that's a Firefox huge loss. has like
0: some. Firefox has some really awesome dev tools. I don't use it as my development browser because I'm not used to it. But when I do, and you know, if I can, if I didn't have trouble finding where things were and what they're called and whatever, um, they have some really cool stuff going on there. With like uh, being able to play, I mean, being able to visualize the CSS grid stuff. They were the first ones to roll that out. Oh. Um, But then they also have, like, really nice ways to adjust CSS, uh, like, timing functions. Oh, interesting. Um,
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. They give you, like, a visual curve tool.
0: Yeah. They also have, uh, they show you event listeners on the HTML, like, DOM tree. Yeah. which Which is so helpful.
1: That's amazing. That seems yeah. really, really nice. So I didn't, I didn't know that. I had heard of that. I have used their dev tools around CSS and, yeah. uh, like, specifically to debug, like, some weird grid stuff that I was seeing. Um, mm-hmm. And, it, it, yeah, it was second to none. I don't think I would have figured it out if I didn't have that browser. Like, yeah. it's so useful. That's
0: some cool, some cool accessibility stuff, too. But we should really move on because oh. we have a long list of things that we <laughs> want to cover, and we're just on browsers. I, um, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to check in. do you have anything anything going on with your operating system like some news there uh Apple had some big news this
1: last year. Oh, yeah, they use uh, their own se- like to be honest, I'm so unimpressed and just degaff the whole like how fast is an m one apple? I don't care. I really don't. I use Windows for gaming and I use Mac OS for development. And if I could use Linux for both, I think it would solve a lot of problems. Um, I haven't used Linux in a very long time, uh, and last time I used it, it was super problematic for me. And it's still not yeah. up there for gaming yet, which is really disappointing. I know Steam has done a lot of work around that, or the community has done a lot of work around getting Steam games to run reliably. Um, yeah, but there's yeah that's, there's
0: like uh, Pop OS, I think the System seventy six the operating system yeah. that they make that's like designed to to run games okay
1: yeah they're doing cool I, stuff. I'm
0: I'm still running a ubuntu and yeah I've had my fair share of issues I think that like I definitely had to get used to getting in the command line and just like typing in stuff that I have no idea if it's going to destroy my computer or not <laughs> just like <laughs> yolo <laughs> yolo updates or whatever yeah yeah um but I still I still really enjoy it as far as like from a developer perspective, it's dependable and it's the closest thing to like I don't know, systems operating systems that I'm deploying stuff to production in anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's just a, a certain type of sicko that likes to use Linux.
1: Yeah, a lot of uh security folks are very into it.
0: Yeah. It's nice to nice to feel smug about <laughs> you know. You get, you get some nice smug points about it. You
1: look down your Linux nose at us. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, cool. Well, let's get into let's get into some of the the stuff that the the platform um, has coming down the pipeline for us. So, uh, what are you looking forward to?
1: There's one feature that I'm aware of that's coming to JavaScript that I think is really neat because I have dyslexia. Looking at big numbers really confuses me. Um, and so, what this feature does is it allows you to use an underscore in numbers as a separator, um, and it you know basically compiles away, um, but it makes it much easier to read large numbers that you're using in code. Now, historically, so for example, uh, historically, what I would do is you, you know uh, assign them to a constant that you know gave me a usable name, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then, you know, there there are other problems with that, right? Like, over-abstraction, just for readability's sake, isn't something that I would recommend in general. And this kind of solves that in some scenarios.
0: Yeah, I'm not impressed by this, though. Like, because <laughs> honestly, okay. So here's, here's the thing, is um, it, I think it sounds great in theory to be able to add all of these... They're really just like ergonomic features to the programming language, right? Mm-hmm. And is this is this a language feature or a browser or like a, a browser DOM feature? This
1: is this is a language feature.
0: Okay, so it sounds great to add all of these like nice ergonomic things to the language, but the problem is that has to go somewhere, right? Like that that increases the surface area of the programming language, which means I have to learn more, which means there's more opportunity for like weird, quirky stuff to get in. Um, and it's just like, like I don't think that adds a whole lot of value. Being able to visually parse the number better. I think if you get up to a high enough number where you have like four or five commas, you still have to kind of figure out, wait, am I in the billions or the trillions, or what number is that, right? Yeah, and I think that keeping the number in a variable, I have no problem with that. I think if I have a if I have a large number to deal with, uh, I'll usually do something like five times ten, t- or times a thousand, times whatever, and that that makes it a little bit easier to parse. Um, and you can even use like the wait, 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 scientific you, scientific notation.
1: <laughs> you're you're taking us from big numbers to. Math equations to scientific notations like the the exponents. So I've used, I've used I've used the scientific options. notations with with the exponents before, right? This is not yeah. easier to read. This is not a simple solution. So like you, you're right in that this is this is not the same utility level as like the optional chaining operator, which has changed my life in ways that nobody would believe. It's a beautiful thing, optional chaining, and everyone should be doing it. Um, now this underscore like numeric separator is. Not super impressive, but I think in certain... It's not. So, like, people who work in fintech who do need to do operations on, like, stuff coming back from an API that involve big numbers, uh, this could be useful, right?
0: I I mean, no comment. Like, I'm sure that people might have dyslexia and and say that it actually is very valuable and whatever my opinion is I, I don't think it's super valuable like I, I think you could even do like if you wanted to do something that you could parse visually couldn't you multiply by a thousand like five times one thousand and that kind of like visually separates but five times one now thousand now you're asking times me to one do math, times and one
1: I, I i do programming because i don't do math
0: it's but <laughs> it's not you it's not just think of it as uh, uh asterisk one instead of a comma
1: well, okay, but okay. So you you're multiplying right? by a like thousand. How do I know that that's a thousand and not a hundred when I'm just glancing through? What if I make that mistake? Right. So here's 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 one area where it may. What
0: what what happens if I do a five underscore zero?
1: It becomes fifty.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's like a no-op. It's
0: just a it's just a pl- okay okay no-op okay.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I understand the value is negligible, uh, but I'm excited about it. I think it's neat. What are you excited Space about?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I'm not going to try and I'm not going to try and tell you what to be excited about and what not to be excited about. Um, I think something that I'm excited about. So I think um, something that I think is part of the DOM. I don't know if it's part of the language or the DOM. It's kind of hard to. Separate that sometimes, but um, some of the things coming down around uh, time format. What is it called? Temporal things that are coming. Like like uh, dealing with dates in JavaScript is not easy. You usually want to. It's the worst. Pull in some sort of yeah. You search, usually want to pull in some sort of library. I think um, the internationalization or INTL constructor has like gets us a long way. Like you can do a lot with how a library with just that.
1: Yeah. Date formatting um, is much the- easier with the, with the internationalization functions. Like they're, mm-hmm. those have been a lifesaver in avoiding using a library for like very light stuff. Um, otherwise I kind of push on the back end team. Like, Hey, you guys are using C sharp. You've got like real date utilities. Can you just send me a string that's formatted correctly for this time zone? Cause mm
0: yeah I don't know.
1: yeah, because
0: yeah, I don't know. that's that's a that's an I don't know kind of thing. <laughs> um, something else. okay, so a uh, uh, question for you. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the pipe operator that's like proposed?
1: I don't know much about it. Um, pipe seems cool.
0: Yeah. Pipe is cool. I think if you're doing a lot of functional programming, Um, it can make the syntax look a little bit nicer, but Mm -hmm. I think um, I was listening to, what is it, um, JavaScript Jabber, AJ O'Neill and um, Dan Shapir going back and forth on whether these things that make uh, these extensions to the language are good or bad and it's like, I kind of like AJ's stance on this where he says you know, if it doesn't bring you new functionality if it's just like a sort of syntactic sugar over something that the language already has then it's may not be worth adding to the language because you end up
1: optional chaining operator nope optional chaining operator is syntactic sugar over like using double ampersands all over the place yeah, building stuff Ooh, against GraphQL APIs. Yeah, it's oh, syntactic sugar. Good, though. It's brilliant. That one's
0: good. Oh, it's that so one's good. Bad. That one's good. I'll keep that one.
1: Yeah, uh, but I yeah. I do kind of see what you're saying, in that it's tough.
0: It's it's tough to draw the line. Yeah, know, like in or out. I don't
1: know. Yeah, and in a language where you're starting to add features, like you start really eating up that that real estate of characters that you can use and what their purpose is, and then you know yeah
0: uh, but, real estate of characters
1: yeah i mean there's only so much real estate when you know yeah 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 you you've only got so oh, many right. characters you can use so but this yeah. but this pipe and then you bring up functional programming right like how's that paradigm working out for us in javascript land
0: love it or hate it <laughs> i don't know i i can't find a i can't find a paradigm that seems to work for me i've tried object <laughs> oriented i've tried functional i write terrible code in both <laughs>
1: Nothing's gonna save me. <laughs> this is this is this is the truth. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I bring that up because there's like some interesting uh, there. There's this language on the state of JS 2020 thing called PureScript that I had never heard of, um, and it's a little bit like uh, what Elm and script where it's like this functional programming language that compiles over to JavaScript. It seems interesting, um, but like that functional style seems to be pretty persistent. Um, but I. Don't see it in like large enterprise applications that that like I'm aware of, right? Where mm-hmm. something like TypeScript, which brings utility over style, right? Um, it's not it's not a language or it's not a meta language around, um, you know what what we what we give you is uh, compile time type checking versus you know you can write this in a functional style right like wh- one of these things seems really useful in a large complex code base and the other one seems possibly uh, you know you're going to eliminate any any candidates from being able to work on your application by using some like obscure like elm or closure or this pure script
0: yeah, I'm not sure. I, I've used I've used functional. I've used object oriented. I think they both work well in different cases. Like I think uh, I think it's totally fine to have a mix of both. I don't think you should, I don't think you need to go 100% one way or the other. Although some people might disagree. Um, but I know that I've like I've tried object oriented, and there's some times when it's just it, there's so much inheritance that you just like lose track of everything that is being inherited and where everything is. Mm -hmm. And then with functional, I feel like sometimes it just gets so convoluted that you also have to remember, like instead of remembering the chain of inheritance, now you're remembering the chain of like functions that, uh, like how the data is being piped through the functions and and how those transforms are being done or like what's being, what's how the data is being processed. Mm -hmm. So, I, I don't know like complexity is complexity you know
1: <laughs> yeah you kind of can't take that out of the equation and I guess like the 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 opinion around like how you handle that uh, is is I think
0: yeah I think types, typescript certainly helps with in both cases though it like tells yeah. you everything that's available and if you have a piece of data and you have some functional like going through a, a functional process um, typescript can tell you like what the data looks like at any given point yeah
1: we'll see i I feel like typescript so typescript is something that uh over the past year i've used more and more and more and it's uh very frustrating in some ways uh but i would never not use it if i was starting something significant um Mm. it brings way too much value
0: I still really love writing plain old JavaScript and using JSDoc to, like, implement TypeScript. Like I, I see the value in TypeScript really, Monster. really, and what's that? No, it's great. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <sighs> I love it that I can just, like, copy my code and it's, like, I can paste it into a front-end project, into a back-end project, into a project that's just going to run on CodePen in the browser with no compilation step. It's great.
1: It's Love pretty it. easy to to shave out a lot of uh, the TypeScript stuff. Like if, if you're trying to code pen uh, like a like a minimal example, if you run into some like issue, right? The biggest issues I run into are libraries with types that are incorrect. Like, they come yeah. with types, or you can, you know, mm, get them from definitely You're definite using types. some
0: of my libraries.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they, there's a lot of libraries that will throw anys in places where, like, no, this type is definitely something that can be typed, and I need it to be. Uh, so, there's there's problems around that, uh, but, I, yeah, I don't see that going anywhere. It seems pretty solid. Make a PR, dude. Always. File uh, an issue. All right, let's
0: yeah let's um, let's get out of the JavaScript world a bit and see you know some other stuff that's happened in the platform like uh, I don't know HTML anything in HTML that was particularly interesting last year or or anything coming up in HTML world
1: uh, it continues to be a programming language. I do not know anything beyond that
0: It continues to be the foundation of the web you
1: know what I would like
0: to see. Yeah. Is really? I I would really like to see uh, progressive enhancement um, be like. What are you laughing
1: at? <laughs> I'm waiting for your acronym.
0: Oh, because you so, no, I wasn't going <laughs> to reference that Twitter thing, but we'll save that for another show. Okay, but I would like I would like the uh, I would like to focus on progressive enhancement to continue to grow because I think that and like things like uh, like like 11 for example that are are kind of promoting getting back out of the JavaScript world and back to just HTML just CSS wherever needed and, and you know maybe like a very minimal
1: JavaScript footprint I think that's like a valiant effort, right? It's 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 like you sound like a bad guy uh, in a Disney
0: movie. It's
1: like vegans, right? Like I so oh boy.
0: <laughs> you know, we're doing a vegan month.
1: I I thought something like that might be going on. There was some reference to like not really bacon. Um, so it's it's kind of like vegans, right? Like I'm I'm not a vegan. I, like I respect their choices. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's like a valiant thing. Like I love animals. Like I I have a dog. I uh, have a a small human animal. Uh, like I think, you know, not choosing not to eat animals is like a very respectable thing. And I feel the same way about like the, the very hard push for progressive enhancement, uh, and, and those sorts of things. Um, it's, I don't put it at the same level as accessibility. Accessibility is absolutely like a, like a, a legal issue that needs to be handled um, very, very seriously. Whereas progressive enhancement um, is, by comparison, in my opinion, kind of a nice to have. Right? Like I don't feel like um, with the way that devices have continued to progress in markets that uh, clients that I work with would care about. There's not a whole lot of purpose uh, to architecting an application with those kind of thoughts first. Valiant, as they may be.
0: Yeah, it it depends. It's tough. It's like, and for any listener that isn't aware, the, the idea of progressive enhancement is you build something so it works in the minimal amount of, or the, the, what is it? The least common denominator of a system. So thinking like a, a form that can be submitted without JavaScript enabled.
1: This is wild and not something like there is no yeah. company that is going to pay engineers to like build something around that idea. Like I do. you, well, do you right, I, actually, If you, no, if do you, you, you th- start
0: th- there, if you start there, it's great. Like it's not it's not much work. Right. You, so right. if you understand the fundamentals. And you build on the fundamentals, and then you, and then you build on top these features that start to like progressively enhance it. So maybe like a like a file upload, right? That sends it with JavaScript to some wherever. Um, you can still upload the file by having a a file input that, like, when you submit the form, it still does a post request somewhere. Mm. I, yeah, like I, I mean, I, I'll put it this way. I think my journey with progressive enhancement has been in a way that makes me feel like I'm a better developer. I feel like my applications are more are more resilient. Uh, and I just, it's almost like, it's almost like writing tests. Mm. I, it's almost the same uh, satisfaction I get from writing tests, that I feel like my application is more resilient because even if something falls over, it's still going to work.
1: Yeah, I was uh, up until you said it's kind of comparable to writing tests. I was going to go in the direction of like this is why you use Linux. Like it's the same reasoning. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like I just got I got to get my fix of smugness. You <laughs> yeah,
1: know? I uh, need it. But like, there's an argument there for something to be more robust, right? Like these are fallbacks. Hmm. Okay, that's a conversation for another yeah. time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of into that. Uh, let's be, yeah, let's let's get into some of the more exciting stuff like stuff that's coming down the pipe or came down the pipe and and see how it went. Uh, I want to hear your take on WASM. Uh
1: WebAssembly. Yeah, WebAssembly is like a, a a joke that fell flat. Um, this is this is uh, as as far so like the hype around WebAssembly has always been like this is going to replace JavaScript and we need uh, like, you're going to need to learn WebAssembly, and we're going to have all these programming language that will compile over to WebAssembly so that nobody needs to use JavaScript ever again because JavaScript is the devil. Um, uh, Hype averted. Preach. It's like that's yeah. – like, when WebAssembly you know, yeah, was announced I, I, all the way up until – like, it has gone relatively quiet.
0: It has. I think that's because – well, I, actually, I'm not going to say – why? I think that's because I have no idea why, but I do know that there are companies that are using it, like uh, Figma. I think Figma uses it on their native app, and it's like for certain things, it's supposed to speed up uh, processes by some crazy amount. Okay. So I think it's I think it really comes down to like the hype was there because there was that one demo that was like showing some video game playing in the browser that was like.
1: This should you not know, run in a browser.
0: Yeah, no. like super crazy uh, graphics and everything. And so, of course, there's hype there. And then we kind of – the hype settled because it's like, cool, but I'm not building video games for the browser. I just need the user to click a button and it just like submits a form or whatever, right? It's like I don't need WebAssembly for that. right? But I think for, for certain users or for certain companies, um, it – yeah – it's it's really hard to say. I don't think it's going to replace JavaScript, but um, in certain tech stacks, yeah, totally gonna be the right way to go. Well let
1: me let me ask you this. What what drives the internet?
0: Packets? I don't oh, know. Oh god, okay. Information. Like what's on, like,
1: what? on a much higher level, like not a technological level, on a much higher level, commerce is what drives the internet. The reason love. that it mm-hmm. continues to Yeah, it's not it's not love, it's not hugs, it's not Uh, you know, anything like that?
0: Uh, puppy pictures. Yeah. Memes. Okay. Uh, so for the,
1: for the laws, for sure. I do not understand what a stonk is. I don't need to, please don't, please don't, please don't pollute my mind with more (laughs) garbage knowledge. Um, but this is, this is what runs the internet, right? And so that type of performance and speed and, and all of that, um, Doesn't like the the learning curve and the the possible like engineering base to produce an application that can get you money um, exists in a very big way uh, with JavaScript uh, and the tools that we have at hand today, where WebAssembly doesn't add anything to that, right? Like we create. Well,
0: I mean, people people are still making native applications, so like desktop applications, right?
1: Uh, yeah, they are, aren't they? Those dinosaurs.
0: I mean, I don't think native applications are going anywhere. Um, I think they might. And be. I think that there's things there's things that native applications provide, like performance-wise, that the browser can't handle, can't do. Mm. Uh, regarding money, uh, I think that. If you have an application, if if you're like, if you have a differentiator of performance, like your application is faster, I think people are going to use that over a similar product, right? Um, if your application uh, uses less like memory or battery or whatever, right? Like, I don't know. There's something to be said there. If if you can take these really expensive processes and run them in WebAssembly on the client instead of running them on your server, that's gonna save you money. Like I think there's it's the I think same there's argument
1: for moving away from monoliths and moving to JavaScript client side applications. Like that exact same argument was used and it's still correct. Um, but you're applying it to WebAssembly, which I don't think offers gigantic benefits over like day-to-day things that people write applications to do. I don't think WebAssembly is a good answer. It's an answer to a question right. nobody
0: all asked. All right, all right. Let's move on. You're in the camp of WebAssembly is going away. I'm in the camp of WebAssembly is going into the future. Oh, don't misread That's me. Fine. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. It's not
1: going away. I don't okay. think it is what... Uh, what the hype said it was which is like everyone is going to need to be writing something that, uh, okay, that compiles okay. to WebAssembly yeah, and yeah, blah no. blah blah yeah no I don't think yeah, so it's, it's not going to move in that way I feel not the same long, way about like time. web components right
0: we'll see next year okay yeah web components
1: so, web components tell me, tell, me, tell me seem really cool I like the idea of web components
0: they are really cool
1: but they're like sadly useless they're <laughs> very flaccid <Jeez.
0: laughs> Uh, that's an interesting choice of words, interesting definition. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I like, I, will admit, I thought that web components were going to do a lot more than it seems like they've been doing. I think that there's, there's still like, they're not gone. Um, they still have a. I you know, I think the, the future is yet to be written for them. Um... But you have like you have some interesting things. So I know that Vue, the Vue CLI for a while, it had an option for you to like generate web components from your Vue components. Um, I don't think a lot of people use that. And I think with web components, you still kind of you still need this layer of uh, JavaScript running. So it's not like I don't know they're they're native to the browser, which is nice, but kind Of weird, I think a good space for web components is probably in, in some sort of design system that's going to be used across a large enterprise company with multiple products where you need um, design consistency but you have a difference of technical ability. Um, so, like maybe you know, team A is using Angular, team B is using Svelte, or whatever, then you can still use web components in as, as a design system to get consistent. Um, styles and implementation across both without having to maintain like an Angular type of your library and a Svelte type of library. I would quit. If you had to use web components?
1: No. If I worked at a company where one team was using Angular and the other is using Svelte and they're giving us web components. (laughs) (laughs) Like that exact scenario, I'm like, oh man... (laughs) The technical direction here is very confused.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that just, the, can't say. That, can't say. Haven't been in that spot. That's
1: one of those red flags where like, oh, man. Well, okay. So if, if the legacy application is oh. Angular... And we're moving to Svelte, then it makes sense. But if they're like, "No, we're full of full steam like Angular Svelte shop," like, "Oh my god!" Well, you guys no, are gonna what have if you it, what if it's
0: like what if it's this, this totally isolated property is just an Angular project, and then this compl- like it's a it's a totally different domain, and they don't they don't ca- cross communicate with each other. But they do. Right? They have to use it's the same design like-
1: system, which is being handed to you in Web Components. <laughs>
0: Which is the beauty of web components.
1: <laughs> okay. I, I would be interested to see how that works. Um, my, my experience with, like, design handoff has not been, like, we're going to give you web components. It's, like, we're going to give you, a, like, a Zeppelin, like, a link to, to something in Zeppelin, and you're going to basically, like, copy CSS out of it and try and get it to look somewhat similar.
0: Right, but that would be the team that implements the web components, and then you just get to, like, kind of stitch it together, right? Okay. Just an idea. I don't know. Never done it in practice. It, so I can't really. Yeah, speak it to seems
1: it. interesting. It seems interesting.
0: Yeah. All right. What you got for the next? The next thing. Uh, oh no, you did web components. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pick something Do it. Pick it. I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about service workers. Service
1: workers. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, service workers are another thing that I think uh, are kind of in the same camp as uh, WebAssembly. That kind of came out. There was a bunch of hype, and then kind of like didn't hear so much about it. Mm, okay, It's another thing that I'm really excited for. I think the challenge with service workers is they are hard to work with, but the cool thing is they kind of take, it's another tool that can take some um, CPU intensive process and take it off of the main thread and kind of like handle that business while your application is doing whatever else it needs to do. So without blocking the main thread, you can get all of this heavy computational stuff done and then when it's done, it can be like, yo, application, uh, I got that I got that pizza you ordered.
1: Isn't that or what Squoosh mm-hmm. was using?
0: Yeah, I think Squoosh uses mm-hmm. uh, service so workers. So you're talking
1: about high-performant, multi-threaded JavaScript applications that run in the client. Yeah. I'm into this. This is great. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, it'll be great. I think that there's still a lot of challenges because then if you have... Um, I I can't, again, not speaking from experience, but just what I've heard is, like, some things, like, managing the communication between um, your main application and these, like, sub-threads. Yeah, like the worker. Processes. Yeah, like the worker tasks. Yeah, and, like, maybe, like, maintaining some global, I don't know, it just seems a little kind of wonky, uh, to get it all to communicate together for a cohesive experience. Yeah. But I think that there's tools coming down the line for that. This is I think, yeah, uh, this is one of
1: those things where, like, the the developers that uh, work on Create React App, you, you know, when you start up a Create React App, it comes with a service worker. And, like, most people don't know what to do with it.
0: it oh, I think your dog it, has some opinions it, on this.
1: Yeah, she hates service workers. Well, she hates <laughs> having service workers uh, kind of... Uh, shoved down your throat. Wow. Very angry puppy. Um <laughs> Wow. This is what happens when somebody rings my doorbell.
0: So it sounds like you got a service worker at the door? Yeah,
1: probably. It that is probably uh food being delivered. But anyway, so Initially, when you start up a, a Create React app, you get a service worker. Nobody knows what to do with these. You always end up throwing it away. Like, there's there's not something innate in React that can leverage service workers better than something else. Um, but there, yeah. that that was a very typical, like, question is, like, what do I even do with this? Like, Don't do anything. Well, Delete it's, it. It's
0: a- it it's interesting because the service worker and create react app, I think that's designed for like PWAs, which we didn't have on our list, but is also another interesting thing.
1: Yeah. These are these are the reason uh, that web components in WASM are like really not that interesting to me is because service workers and progressive web applications are the future. Um, and part of that is because it helps you subvert the walled garden approach that Google and Apple have taken to this is where you get your applications. It's like, you know what? These don't do anything that most most of the applications that I use, right? Uh, these are like mapping, timing, things <laughs> like these are things that you can do in a browser, right? With access to the right yeah. APIs, you can do all of this. So, like, yeah, n- none none of the like native application landscape um, is moving nearly as quickly as the browser landscape, right?
0: Yeah, but there's still some stuff that the browser landscape is not going to get that the native landscape has. But
1: that's a that's um, a choice. We could have it all.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's not our
1: choice. <laughs> that's true.
0: Um, yeah, so like like Safari, for example, saying like yeah, we're just not going to implement these things. Which they're they're saying you know they're not going to. Okay, so Google is spearheading a lot of. Uh, <laughs> like desire for features to make that would effectively make web apps a lot more powerful. So being able to access the file system, for example, or being able to access uh, your contact list. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And Safari is like pushing back with security concerns, which are totally valid security concerns. Um, But, you know, basically if Safari doesn't, doesn't play ball then we're not going to have those features and progressive web apps are never going to reach the same level as native apps that's not to say that like you're you're right i think probably 90 percent of the apps in the app store are would work just fine um, as progressive web apps but right we'll see I th- i think it still needs to be one of those things that it's like uh, a tool like Create React App or or the tooling that we use just does it for us, and we don't have to think about it. Yeah,
1: it. yeah, and I, I think that's a good uh, kind of segue into the Jamstack because that's what they really attempt to do is like generate for you like this complex uh, progressive web app type of thing, right? So something like Nuxt or Gridsome or Next or Gatsby. Or whatever Angular thing exists out there, I don't think there's anything that does this in Angular. Um, but these kind of Jamstack applications that are like supposed to uh, be served as flat files—well, not Next. Next gives you like awesome server-side control stuff, uh, which is, I think, why it's gained massive popularity over Gatsby over this last year. Uh, like, yeah, they got some. Yeah. G- Gatsby uh, had a lot of steam going into this past year and man, they, they would have been my pick for like, this is, this is going to be a big deal. Um, but Next has really just stayed very consistent. Um, what's interesting about both of these, and I don't know if it's the same for Nuxt and Gridsome, um, I'd be curious to find out, but both Next and Gatsby are tied to services, right? Services at startups that need money. Um, and so, like, increasingly, what I've seen with both of these frameworks is that if you're going to use Gatsby, you're going to use Gatsby services. If you're going to use Next, you're going to use. Um, Versal? Ver, ver, yeah, Versal, V, Ursel, um, whatever it is, right? <laughs> uh, you're, you're going to use their services. And Next, in particular, like, I, I remember using it very early on. You could run it pretty much anywhere that you could run like a node application. And now it's like tied into their serverless platform where like you have these serverless endpoints that are generated from your next application. It's it's wild. It's really neat, but it's also like, seems very obvious (laughs) to me, like you're going to use our infrastructure. Uh, It, it, it seems kind of wild.
0: Yeah. So I think as I understand it, uh, using Vercel to host your Next application is like you get a lot of benefit because they can do essentially a serverless deploy. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't use Vercel, you can still host a Next application somewhere else, right? Like you can you can eject. Um, the, the, and I think there's some change with I, you know what I, th- I think that they, you can still they can still do serverless functions, but I think they don't do. Um, the incremental static generation, or whatever, like whatever they have. they
1: right, right, and Gatsby has something similar right, like where, you lose some yeah, like they they have features that you can only get from Gatsby if you're using their services, which is like, okay, yes, you have an open source project, right, This is something mm-hmm. that has been built publicly but supported by a community, right, and this is this is one of those questions about like open source and going uh. Creating a uh, uh, like a startup around an open source project, right? And like whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. But it, it does feel like if I'm going to choose next, I'm not just choosing a tech stack. I am choosing like much much more than that. I'm choosing to buy into an ecosystem uh, that dictates how I deploy, uh, which is really really crazy to me. Uh, but
0: next, yeah, you got to name your you got to name your next dog uh <laughs> Guillermo
1: oh, yeah, you gotta yeah, I would you gotta get a tattoo I would not get mm. a cat that I draw the line at getting cats
0: gotta get the next tattoo on your butt
1: always, like I don't have one already,, mm. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but does nux does um, nuxton Gritsum have like similar parallels to that, or are mm. they not locked in
0: uh nuxt has a like a company behind it okay um, I'm not sure I don't think that they have hosting as an offering um, but I like I think companies that make money on open source I think that's a good thing because we get nice things it, yeah exactly yeah. like you you it's supported at that point like <laughs> you know like as an open source maintainer you know I get some commits come in and I'm like dude I, I pff- I don't have the timeline to work on that. Like I'm not, I'm burnt out. I got this other stuff that I'm, I got this other side project I'm interested in right now. For sure. Um,
1: Yeah. And I I don't want to come off. Like, I think that that's a bad thing. It just like having watched it develop specifically over this last year. um, It's, it's like, there are just some interesting points there um, that, that I think they've, they've made some choices to, to like maintain the project as an open source project. and, uh, like, as an investor in something like this, I think I'd be pretty pretty happy and, and pretty, uh, especially with Next, pretty excited about what the, this next year holds. Uh, next is something that uh, I do plan to work with more, specifically. Yeah,
0: I, I, I'm going to start getting into Nuxt, the sort of view equivalent, and I really like a Nuxt, like, I think that they make some decisions that are a little bit more intuitive um, for using. Also, also like they've pulled out, they've rolled out some new features this last year in their modules. They have like a, a content module, which is basically uh, you can have a blog. Like you can, you can. So last year they started supporting static site generation, which before they were just a server-side rendered view app sort of thing Mm -hmm. and they supported static site generation and then they released a couple modules one of them was a a content module which is super cool because you can basically it it just the cli just like generates um a site for you that you can manage the content in markdown super easy without having to do really much of anything um and that's yeah, the, those two things have just been really nice, just to be able to deploy to a static site and then also have, like, content built in, almost like, you know, you can integrate that with a something like a Netlify CMS or something that does, um, what is it, static, no, file-based CMS or whatever. Flat
1: file CMS. Um. The bane of my existence, the non-CMS CMS.
0: CMS. Oh, but this, but this is cool because, like, the Nuxt side of things, it actually, it doesn't just like let you like parse and host um, Markdown files. It actually has like smart, um, almost like database sort of querying against the file system. It's
1: interesting. Does it do versioning? Like, if I need to roll back a change,
0: well, Git does that.
1: Mm, okay.
0: Right? Because, I mean, if it's in the files, you have your version control. Okay, to, so I have to, to like,
1: roll that. back a git commit to a file that I changed in a git repo if I want to make a change to content. <sighs> which may or may not be tied to I other, so. like, functional changes in this. This this is my overall issue with, like, the idea of it's a CMS. It is not. It is a non-CMS. Never mind. Like, let's not go to that in the I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: All right, well, um, we are getting close to the end of our time. Is there anything you want to cover before we, we close up here?
1: Uh, I think I just want to mention Netlify because we were talking about, like, deploy services. Netlify uh, continues to impress me in that they do what they do very well. Um, they They offer developers like me... Tools that make it very easy to do things that used to be very complex, um, and like that just seems like a very straightforward business model. And they they they're not tied to any stack. They try to service uh, really as as many web stacks as, as you can think of. They they want to uh, get your business, and that that makes so much sense to me. Um, so like that that feels like a very straightforward uh, kind of approach. And, and Netlify um is is something that I would love to be using at my job. We we do not use it. Um I used it at my previous job yeah. and it was so awesome.
0: They're pretty good. They're pretty good until until you realize that you need to do some server side stuff and then mm. you kind of like you can't like <laughs> once you go with Netlify it's not so easy to go to like a server side thing. I mean they have their like functions and you can do you know, you basically do like API calls for stuff. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, yeah, for I like Netlify. We use Netlify,
1: but for very hosting, specific hosting services. Yeah. I'm for for right? like very specific problems like that where yeah. you want if to gain
0: totally static.
1: Well, yeah, right. So like their their market is that Jamstack, and so if you start getting yeah. into like, well, I want to do this and I want to do that, like I I I had run into multiple problems on that platform. Some of it, um, you know, they were, they were able to resolve pretty quickly for me. Um, but it's designed around, uh, that, that type of stack, uh, where, you know, you want to serve just static files, uh, and, and do a lot of stuff on the client, which I think is still like a really viable way to build an application despite the popularity of like next and Nuxt. Um, I think a client-side application is still – can be incredibly performant um, without a, you know, a server doing some, like, pre-rendering stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that there'd be arguments that, you know, the client-side application could be even more performant if it's just HTML, CSS, right? Whoa. Depending on
1: what you need to do. Yeah, getting getting it down to the roots there, man.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm thinking if, you know, folks like uh, – that are using like 11T sites or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I'm gonna say the the hosting companies that I've been uh, impressed with and rooting for are gonna be like Begin.com. Really, really cool. Oh yeah, really you show me that. That's pretty rad. Um, and Cloudflare. I'm really curious to see how Cloudflare workers, edge
1: workers, dude. That is the really future. Really curious to see how. Oh. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I don't think they're going to take out. Like, I think that the future is go, really going to be a combination of full full time running servers, okay. uh, lambda functions, so like serverless functions, whatever, mm. and then edge edge functions. Because I think that there's a use case for all of these different types of computes. Yeah, where you where you have like totally stateless compute. Edge service, right? If you need some sort of stateful, like, whatever, but a kind of one-time function, maybe you need a Lambda. And then when you need some process that runs for a very long time, um, server full. Right. Or traditional server. Yeah. Yeah. That's been my experience anyway.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious to see how all that pans out because, you know, I think you're right. Yeah. I think there's not going to be, like, a winner in, in that category, it's it's going to be this, like, combination and seeing what people come up with for, like, use cases for all that's going to be really cool.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, let's end on this. Instead of giving some shout-outs for things that uh, we want to promote, uh, because we're doing a little bit of a prediction show, let me hear, uh, I don't know, three to five things that you are excited for about or... Um, some predictions you want to stake your claim on.
1: Um, so, w- web components will continue to be uh, obscure. Uh, so that's one prediction. They, they will not gain popularity. They will not. There's not going to be some magical uh, rise in popularity of web components. Um, I I think that tooling is going to be like the biggest leap forward, uh, and so that's that's stuff like anything that does what Webpack does, but better. And there's a lot of flavors of that right now. There's a, there's a lot of challengers coming up, um, and you know that that is a, that is a crown to be taken. Um, and I, I think that's going to happen. I think in uh, in testing uh, there will be competitors to stuff like Cypress, which is this like full stack testing solution. Um, that we didn't have a chance to get into, but I I, I think that there will be huge movement in that, um, and people will be much more apt to test their application instead of just saying uh, we have tests for the back end, and if it breaks, our QA will tell us.
0: Um, hey, quit calling me out, man.
1: <laughs> hey, that's that's my life too. Um, so let's see. And uh, CSS and JS is is going to remain like the greatest thing ever to happen uh, to building applications for me Yeah Um
0: hi my predictions are I think the uh, utility slash atomic css stuff is going to continue to grow Um Tailwind really hit a good market fit Um for a lot of folks I think that I think that it's got its problems that you know I've kind of run into and those solutions maybe there's going to be some competitors like I would really like to see I've been trying to build, but I would really like to see a solution that kind of, well, we'll, we'll get into that in another show. I yeah. think it's a little bit complicated, but um, some some like Atomic CSS that's like, maybe like Atomic CSS and JS.
1: Whoa, like that is, because yeah. most of the Atomic CSS people are like anti-CSS and JS. At least that's what I've seen.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I got some ideas. We'll wild. See if I can okay, I love
1: this happen. idea. I need to hear more about it.
0: Um, some other predictions, uh, I mean, personal stuff, like I'm, I'm going to keep using TypeScript and Vue. Uh, I think that serverless, uh, serverless has a ways to go, but I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. You know what we didn't touch Mm -hmm. on that is going to be big news too, is things like AWS, uh, rolled out some really cool new features. Uh, I think DynamoDB is going to continue to get bigger. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. The whole, like, uh, what is it? The admin UI that AWS rolled out. Mm. uh, That's so annoying. Yeah,
1: The whole admin UI.
0: Yeah. Well, let's just finish the show on here because we're recording it. The whole admin UI thing um, looks really cool. And then... Uh what was the other thing? Oh, their pricing, their lambda pricing that dropped to like milliseconds. I think Lambda's uh serverless functions are gonna continue to get faster, continue to get more uh memory mm-hmm. and longer time limits, and the pricing is just gonna keep dropping. So I'm excited to see that.
1: That seems good for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's about it.
0: Yeah, well, you uh, you uh, entered the show, so why don't you give us a good outro?
1: Wait, I have to do both? It's double the work. Um, all right, well, thanks for listening to The F'n Call. Uh, if you've made it this far, really appreciate it. Please like, subscribe, do whatever you do to uh, give us attention. Uh, we love it. We will see you next we time. love
0: it. See ya.
1: All right. The function call was edited, mixed, and mastered by Kato Zane. See her work at katonoise.com. For show notes, other episodes, and more information about the show,
0: visit our website at thefncall.com.
1: I'm just going to keep you muted all the time. You're muted everywhere.
0: How did you answer that question then? Oh, you're really good at reading lips. I'm
1: very good at reading lips.